Welcome to Doctor Who 50 and 50, Podcast 34. Today we're talking about story number two, The Daleks. This originally aired from December 21st, 1963 to February 21st, 1964. It was a seven-parter, and it followed immediately after The Unearthly Child, which we discussed yesterday. Because it is the next story, it's got the same Doctor and William Hartnell, and the same companions in his granddaughter Susan Foreman, as well as her granddaughter's old teachers, Ian Chesterton and Barbara Wright. This story shows the first encounter with both the Thals and the Daleks. Now, the Daleks show up a lot more than the Thals do over the course of the series. The story starts off with the TARDIS arriving on what apparently is a lifeless planet, filled with a petrified forest, including petrified metal animals. And you know, the Doctor wants to explore this place, but Ian and Barbara just want to get taken right back home again. They want to get out of there. And the Doctor ultimately sabotages the TARDIS so that he's guaranteed a chance to explore both the forest and the city that they saw in the distance. During their exploration of that city, they end up getting captured by the Daleks, and then the piece of equipment that the Doctor claimed wasn't working, that needs to be filled with mercury, ends up getting taken away from them, and they're going to have to reclaim it to get off this planet. Now, the Thals have anti-radiation meds that have kept them from mutating and kept them alive, while the Daleks haven't been protected by anything other than the depth they are below the surface in an underground city that's basically built under the city that we see. We see a lot of the classic Dalek traits. We see their manipulation, their planning. They are very intelligent creatures. The classic look is already there in the armor. Uh, yeah, the Daleks are not robots, as we discussed earlier. This is also the origin of the term exterminate and where it comes from. When the Doctor says that killing the Thals would be murder, they dispute him, saying, no, that's not murder, it's extermination. So they don't spell it out in great detail, but it does strongly imply their attitude of, we are superior to everything else, you guys are just pests, it's not murder if we're not killing Daleks. It's also implied here that the physical state of the Daleks themselves is the result of 500 years of mutation following the radiation that they've lived in on this planet. There are some enjoyable parts to the serial, especially the tension as the companions and the Doctor team up with the Thals to attack the Dalek city, thinking it's going to be a surprise attack coming at it from a couple of the dangerous paths, while the audience knows the Daleks are fully aware that the attack is coming. There are some parts that take away from the enjoyment. Some of these elements are debatable in terms of whether they reduce or improve the enjoyment. Uh, for example, in this era, there were 39 to 40 half-hour episodes in a season. So these guys were working most of the year. They didn't have a lot of time for retakes, especially given the money that was being put into the sets and that sort of thing. These are actually pretty elaborate sets. It wasn't terribly cheap in this point in time. As a result, there's some side effects. It looks like there's a lot of things that were done in single takes. You get some actors flubbing lines, including William Hartnell messing up Ian Chesterton's name, and you know, the actor takes a good jab at him as part of the dialogue, but they run with it, and they're used to improvising. They're not calling cut. It's like they've been trained for the stage and are working that way, where sometimes things go wrong and you just bloody well better deal with it and keep on trucking and the show must go on. And that's fairly common in TV actors from the 1950s and 60s, especially on British TV. Unfortunately, one of the other side effects of being in the 50s and 60s is that it shows some bias. It appears that all species will eventually evolve into a humanoid shape. They even mentioned that the Thals 
were human when they reached their peak, and then they suffered the mutations but came right back around, and for some reason the Daleks didn't come around. We know that the Doctor and Susan are not human. We don't know what species they are yet. They haven't been named, nor has their homeworld, but we do know they're not human. They just look that way because they were evolved. They even say the Thals were expected to have mutated because of the levels of radiation they were exposed to, but they're not. They're perfect, meaning they look just like humans. So there does seem to be some bias on the part of the show's creators at this time where evolution will ultimately lead us, or lead any intelligent species, to look like humans. It makes me wonder if that was the sort of Christian attitude that was accepted in a lot of the Western world on TV as thinking, well, God made intelligent life in his image if we're going to get this on TV and get audiences to accept him. Well, these other intelligent species had better have been created in that same image. So everything is consistent. On the other hand, it may have just been a way to keep the show cheaper. I don't know. There is another bias, though, and that's a lot harder to accept here. As much as they're trying not to be, there are definite sexist elements in this script. When they're counting something scary for the first time, it's the women who scream in fright, and the men who hold it together and keep on trucking and calm the women back down again. Even the Thals, who should have no experience with human customs, are saying, well, we're going to ignore one of those customs on your world. This time it's no ladies first, when they're going into something dangerous. They are trying to be progressive. At one point, the Thals tell Ian that they're surprised he let Barbara come on a dangerous mission, and Ian does say he'd be more surprised if he could stop her. And they openly address the fact that Barbara doesn't follow Ian's orders, even though he gives them. So they're trying to show that she's progressive, but looking at the dynamic and the way they interact, generally speaking, Ian and the Doctor do give orders to the women while they make requests of each other. Whereas the women don't give anyone orders, including themselves, they offer suggestions, but it is a subservient role. So like I said, there's elements where you could tell they're trying to move forward. Even when you're trying to write progressively in a sexist age, it can still come across as sexist by today's standards. Not that we're not sexist today, we're just much less sexist than we were. We still have some distance to go down that road. All in all, it is an interesting introduction to the Daleks. We see their classic look, and we get the classic voices. The weapons look a little different when they fire later on, but the physical prop is still pretty similar. There are a lot of things about the Daleks that change. For example, at this stage, they can't leave their city. They are powered by static electricity and are confined to action on the metal floors. At one point, they debilitate a Dalek just by having it run over in insulated cloak. And then they eventually get that off the insulated cloak, crack the lid open, and just as they're starting to get it open, Ian and the Doctor look at each other, close the lid, and ask the ladies to leave before they pull this thing out. So they were, again, trying to protect the women from the sight of this mutated Dalek inside. In this case, the Daleks need extreme levels of radiation to survive. They seem to have developed by an accident of radiation and mutation, rather than by design. And at the end of the story, the race appears to have been wiped out completely. So there are some changes to the Daleks that are coming in the future. We also see some changes to the Doctor himself. At this point, he is still pretty selfish. He's perfectly willing to leave the human companions behind so long as he and Susan are safe. He's willing to barter with the Daleks to get out safely by giving them basically the technology of the TARDIS. He's, as I said, willing to sabotage the TARDIS to make sure he gets a chance to explore, ignoring the will and the preferences of the companions that he had just kidnapped, which is still the only reason they're with him. So it is an entertaining story to go back and watch, especially to see the origin of the Daleks and how they were first introduced as they were originally written by Terry Nation. But you can see a lot of elements that have changed over the years. For example, the sexism, thankfully, has changed. The Doctor also learns a lot and mellows considerably over the next few centuries of his subjective time. 
here he's still a lot less hero and a lot more archaeologist with a passion for science. And as long as he gets his soil samples and gets a chance to explore, he's happy. Although he would prefer to stay on the sidelines and not get involved, unless he absolutely has to in any of the societies that he runs across. So it is worth checking out, but just be aware of some of the elements you're going to see going in. Do not expect something that's consistent with the modern era. The Doctor hasn't grown to that point yet. And that's pretty much everything we have to say about the Daleks. Please join us again tomorrow when we discuss Tome of the Cybermen. Thank you for listening.